Let's take our Bibles open to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Can we spread out a little more next time? Last week we started looking at Ecclesiastes 11 verses 1 through 8, looking at Proverbs concerning generosity. We saw in verses 1 through 3 that we're to give to the needy. It says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil should be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, and the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. So we saw through these that um, we're to be generous without expectation of return, that we are to keep on giving, and we don't know when hard times may come upon us. Be a giver. Don't be stingy in our giving. Life is too short, so do good now. Then in verses 4 through 6, we saw that we are to trust God. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing. It is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet he remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. And so we've, we're working through verses 4 through 6, learning to trust God. And then in verses 7 and 8, we're going to see a reminder that life is short. So let's ask the Lord for his guidance, please. Father, I pray as we continue to study these Proverbs tonight, again, Lord, we'd be reminded of keeping our focus on you, being generous with what you bestowed on us, and Lord, that we would simply trust you in all things. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. In verse 4, we saw that while we are to exercise caution with our giving, do not be so hesitant that you cannot be any use to anyone. We saw that we cannot understand the spirit. We cannot understand how a baby is born in the womb. And then we also want to see that we cannot understand the ways of God. You know, I'm okay with that, aren't you? There's a lot about God I don't understand. The way God works, I don't always understand it. But the truth is, Christian, if we are reminded and remember that he is infinite, I'm just a finite creature, and that I know that he's a God who is immutable, cannot change, and he's promised that whatever comes in my life is for my good, that I can trust him no matter what. Easy to say, but I'll tell you what, unless things change, we're heading to a time when the rubber's really going to meet the road with this. I don't know how much longer things can continue with the increase in inflation, gas prices skyrocketing, people not working. You do realize what we're doing right now is extremely unsustainable. It's going to eventually collapse unless things change. Are you okay with that? Well, I hope you're fighting to prevent it the best you can, but if it, if it is truthfully the way God has for us to go, are you still going to trust him? I'll tell you, it's going to help weed out the convenient Christianity. 
But you know the sad part is? All those false preachers that keep telling people, if you believe God, God's going to make you rich. When all of a sudden they lose everything they have, they're going to blame God, and it was never God's fault. Because God never made the promise. Some wicked preacher claims to be a preacher made the promise. Why is it some are poor and some are rich? That's what he says in verse 6. Morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both should be alike good. You know, I don't know why some farmers, when they plant their crops, and after it sprouts and it starts to grow, all of a sudden a hailstorm comes and takes out all the crops, and therefore took his whole harvest and took all his money with it. While other farmers, they plant the crop and they get a bountiful harvest. I don't do the picking and choosing. We don't understand all of God's design and creation. Man is still working on trying to understand how everything's put together. Now they understand more than they knew 100 years ago, but there's still much about creation man still can't figure out. But verse 6 also reminds us to be diligent in our work. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thine hand. Work in the morning. Be ready to meet the needs of others. Be diligent in your work. You know, when I worked at Walmart, I hated evening shifts. Because in the evening, I'm ready to relax, not go to work. Some of you work second shift. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not time to go to work. It's time to relax. So you get up early in the morning. Although none of us, well, maybe some, there are those weirdos that like to get up early in the morning. But for normal people who are not necessarily a fan of early morning, would ra at least I would rather get up early in the morning, get the work done so I can have the evening off as opposed to having the morning off and then having to go to work all evening. Because then you come home and then you can't sleep, so then you've got to sit there and relax and unwind before you go to sleep. But when you work all morning, it says, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, you know, sometimes you just got to keep at it till the work's done. Sometimes you just can't quit. When I worked with my grandfather as an electrician, we would try to get to the house early in the morning. If we were changing out their service, so first thing you do is uh, disconnect the main power line coming into the house, and then you start stripping off all the uh, stuff on the outside, you know, the, the conduit coming down, the meter base, and you pull out the panel on the inside, and usually there's several circuits that need to be updated. Hopefully you've run those ahead of time, have much of that as possible done, ready to go. But sometimes you run into troubles when you start putting in that new service because the hole through the wall, which typically was a brick wall or stone wall from 100 years ago, many of the houses seemed, is too small for the new conduit. Because you're putting in a large service, larger service usually, so you're trying to drill through, and you always end up having problems with who knows what. And if it can go wrong, it goes wrong throughout the entire day. But the thing is, is their power is off until you get this job finished. You're not going home till it's done. And there would be many a night when four o'clock would come and go, but the job just didn't happen to be done. Now most times you could get it done by four o'clock, but there were some times when you couldn't. And it's really hard to go up to a homeowner and say, sorry about your power, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. You're not done until you got the thing done. And when they got their power back on, then they're happy. Or the other thing, sometimes waiting for the inspector to come. But that's another story. Just keep at it. Because remember, God rewards faithfulness. 
Someday we're going to stand before him and he's going to reward our faithfulness. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking an evening off. There's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. But if the work still needs to get done, sit up and get the work done is the point. Just be faithful. And all we do, do all to the glory of God. You don't always know the outcome of your labor, but do it to the best of your ability and to the glory of God. And isn't it wonderful to know that God is going to reward us with eternal rewards, incorruptible crowns. That amazes me. The God who created me, who truthfully could expect me to just obey and serve him, is so good that he not only blesses me in this life, but he's going to reward me for serving him. Isn't that just, doesn't that ever did that concept blow your mind how good God is? Well, verses 7 and 8 remind us, life is short. Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. We need to be reminded, work while it's day. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. In other words, we need to do our work while we're here on earth. Our time on earth could be short. We don't know how long it is. Many of you have had experiences throughout life that have reminded you of the brevity of life, how short life really is. I would imagine, looking at Libby's car, she probably had one of those moments today, reminding her how short life really is. Now, thank God she's okay. But if you've ever been in a car accident, which I'm sure most of us have of some type, a lot of things go through your mind in those few seconds, don't they? I remember years ago, we were taken off out of Dakar, Senegal, and big C-130. And we just got off the deck, and as the landing gear is coming up, there was this loud boom in the cargo compartment, and this loud hissing noise, and the whole cargo compartment filled up with fiberglass. I found out later what had happened is one of our bleed air ducts had blown. Don't know a lot about aircraft, but I do know this. When I talked to the plane, uh, the pilot, several days later, we were sitting at breakfast. I said, so how bad was that accident? He goes, well, thank, just be thankful for the flight engineer, because supposedly in the cockpit, the gunny goes, oh, bleed air, click. Well, in that time, we had lost, I don't know, I don't know all the numbers, but I just know what the, plane, uh, the pilot told me is that he could no longer climb, because we were, we were too heavy anyhow taken off. And, but he did have enough torque in the engines to level off and keep us level. And we had just bagged out on fuel. So we, we now got to circle around on the harbor. We're 500 feet off the deck. And we're circling around dumping fuel on the fishermen down below us. Not a good day for them. Calling for an emergency landing so we can get this aircraft back on the ground after what seemed like an eternity inhaling fiberglass. We finally land, open up the ramp so we could try to breathe, and then they were going to put a Band-Aid on it and try to fly again. I had a loadmaster, a navigator, and a mech come to me and say, Doc, I'm scared to fly. I'm like, this is a problem. When you guys are scared to fly, I'm scared to fly. <laughs> Anyhow, long story short, we didn't fly that night. We ended up going back to Rota and get it repaired correctly, but... I didn't want to show it to all the other guys, but I was just as scared as they were because I had no idea what just happened on that aircraft. And it is amazing because I 
Shannon was not even a year old. And I'm like, wow, I'm not even going to get to see my daughter grow up. That's the first thought that went through my mind. Going to miss my wife, not even going to see my daughter grow up. And then I thought, oh, if we go in the drink, I hope the water's not cold. That was the second thought that went through my mind. (laughs) And I hope I can find my way out of this thing. (laughs) But it was amazing what goes through your mind in those moments. By the way, let me just say, I'll give praise to God because years later, a friend of mine that I now have uh, works on that aircraft, and he told me there were nine accidents of the same sort where bleed air ducts blew on the C-130. And I think he said six of them were not able to live to tell about it. Because several of them, when the bleed air duct blew, the piece of shrapnel that comes off very explosively went right through the cables that go to the rudder and the, guy, and the pilot lost control of the aircraft. So I was like, wow, thank you. I'm sure you all have those experiences in your life. That was the closest I ever felt to, I'm going to die. Just a reminder, life is short. But you know, verse 8, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Life for the godly is enjoyable. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, I hope you have a good life. Now, I know all of us may have a past of things we've done, but you know what? You can't go back and undo the past, but you can change from today forward living for God, and you can live with joy because the beauty of it is is if you have repented and God has forgiven you, those sins are gone. He remembers them no more. So don't carry that guilt. Don't carry that weight with you. God doesn't hold it against you anymore. So why don't you just live with joy for the years you have here on earth? Because what, what Solomon is saying is, let them remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. When you're dead, it's going to be for a long time. You know, Solomon lived a good life on this earth, but he's been dead longer than he was alive, right? And if the Lord tarries, someday you'll be dead longer than you were alive. I was talking to somebody recently, and I was saying about my grandfather. I said, he's been gone 20 years. I can't believe it's been 20 years. He lived 70-some years. You do realize by the time my son is in his 70s, my grandfather would be dead longer than he was alive. Think of that. That's how short life, excuse me, really is. I had a good supper. Although trials have come, the Christian life still can be one of joy and rejoicing. You know why? Because our joy is not based on circumstances. Our joy is based on Jesus Christ. And so no matter the circumstances... Now, does that mean there's never a time when we cry or we mourn? No, it doesn't mean that at all. There are trials. There are hard times. There are sad times. But even in those times, inside we can still have a joy because I still know Jesus Christ. I can still have a joy. You know why? Because I got a home in heaven. My sins are forgiven. God loves me. And you, no matter what you try to do, can't change that. Isn't that beautiful? So we need to live the rest of our life for the Lord so that we can get to the end of our race as Paul did and basically say, I have no regrets. Now that's interesting because the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, what did he do? persecuted Christians. 
Matter of fact, he was on the road to Damascus to round up some more Christians so they could be killed. He was a killer of Christians. But yet when he got to the end of his life, he said, I have run my course. I have finished my race. And I'm getting misquoted. But you, you know that it's in um, 2 Timothy. As he's writing to Timothy, he's saying about how he come to the end of his race and he has finished and he's done it with joy. Why? Because he forgotten those things which were in the past. And from the time he met Jesus to the time that he died, he was remaining faithful. Now, do I believe that there probably were times in Paul's life when he had a lapse of faith just like you and I do? Well, he was still a, a sinner saved by grace, just like you and I. Yes, there are times, and I believe actually the book of Acts records a time when Paul did something against the Holy Ghost because he was told by several people, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, and Paul said, I'm going to do it anyhow. You know what? Now, whether you think he made a mistake there or not, I do, but if you don't, that's fine. We're not going to split the church over it. Point being this, is somewhere along the line, Paul did still sin after he was saved, but he didn't think of those things. He didn't dwell on those things. He was dwelling on... God has forgiven me, and I ran a good course. Don't you want to be able to get to the end of your life and say, I ran a good course? You know, nobody cares who started the race. Everybody cares who finished the race. And nobody cares who came in fifth. Think of the Olympics. I haven't been watching them. I used to enjoy the Olympics, but everything's become so political. You know what we remember? First place, sometimes second and maybe third, because those are ones we acknowledge. But nobody's like, yeah, remember 1976 when so-and-so came in 10th? Nobody cares. So when we get to the end of our race, are we going to have finished well? All that cometh is vanity. Here goes Solomon again, reminding us, if you think of life without God, it's all vain, it's all empty, it's all chasing soap bubbles. I bet that little girl can't wait to catch that thing. But what happens as soon as she does? Pop! It's gone. Is that how we treat life? Because let me tell you something. This picture is an excellent reminder. That's exactly what Satan puts in front of you. Shiny. Pretty. Look at all the colors. Look at all the shine. And then you reach for it and pop! There's nothing there. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What are you doing with your life that will count for eternity? The brevity of our life should be a constant reminder to serve God today. I've said this before, and I'll say it again in closing. If you knew Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow at 1 o'clock, what in your life would you change? If the answer is whatever, if, if your answer is not nothing, there's nothing I would change, then whatever the answer is, you need to make that change now because you don't know if he will come tomorrow. You don't know if tomorrow will be your last day on this planet. Live every day as though it's your last day. So in conclusion, going back through all these Proverbs, be a giver, not grudgingly, but lovingly. Trust the Lord to provide. Remember life is short and we must do good in the time we have. Let me just give this reminder. These words are written by the wisest man who ever lived. But more importantly, these were given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit 
And while they may seem like simple truths in these Proverbs, God knew that these were important enough that he inspired them to be in his very revealed word for us because he knows the frailty of our human nature to want to turn back and stop looking at eternity, to live for the temporal, to be a getter, not a giver, to trust in self, not in the Lord. And so he gives us these reminders. And honestly, the Proverbs are a great way to remember things because do we still not even today quote Proverbs to one another as a way of remembering simple truths? So let's go back often and review these simple truths that God has given us.